Welcome to Courageous by Crossroads Apologetics, a look into what motivates us to step out in courage and the everyday bravery of men and women like you. In each episode, we hear a personal story of bravery centered around this question. What's the most courageous thing you've ever done? And now your host, founder of Crossroads Apologetics, Jeff Johnson. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Courageous the podcast where we ask the question, what's the most courageous thing you've ever done? Excited about today's show. We're joined by my friend Terry Rich, an amazing and successful CEO and president with over 25 years of experience. He's founded four successful businesses. He's been involved with uh, managing a zoo turnaround of all things. He's been a guest on the Johnny Carson Tonight Show Featured on ABC, NBC, HBO, CBS, 2020, CNN, CNBC, USA Today, and the New York Times. He's got such a diverse career, and he's such a strong entrepreneur and uh, such a powerful motivational speaker, as you're going to find out. Um, We jump right in with uh, welcoming Terry and finding out a little bit more about him. Terry, thank you so much for joining the Courageous Podcast today. I really appreciate you being on the program and so looking forward to talking to you. I've never talked to anybody before that's been on the Johnny Carson Show, that's given away a billion dollars, that's ran a zoo, that's, I mean, your pedigree is amazing. <laughs> You've got a it's lot of a, different yeah. things. So anyway, thanks for joining One of two things. Either I can't hold a job or uh, the truth is I... I get bored, you know, every seven to 10 years, you know, I, I like trying something new and it's been a really fun life and uh, it's fun helping other people. So I'm glad to be here. Oh, what an amazing career. Yeah. Um, could you tell us a little bit about your past, about your family, who you are, just to put yourself in context for our listeners? Sure. Well, I, I grew up in Jefferson, Iowa, Cooper, actually, a little town south of Jefferson and, and uh, grew up on a farm and you learned a lot about entrepreneurship because you got to just be able to do your thing and to be able to uh, uh, change and adapt to all environments. So I went to Iowa State thinking I was going to be a math major, quite honestly. And I, I learned quickly that was fun and intriguing and challenging, but boring. And I guy said, you can go over here and talk and make a living. So I got in TV and radio and I got the luckiest break right out of college by raising my hand to volunteer. And I tell people when they first start, if you do anything, you go into a company, raise your hand and volunteer, because when you raise your hand and volunteer, you get noticed. Bathroom's dirty. We don't have a janitor. <laughs> I'll, I'll help. And and uh, I raised my hand and I got hired by a guy named Jim County and Bill Riley to start in the cable television business rather than a broadcast, which is where I thought I'd end up. And lo and behold, I learned about entrepreneurship. I got these things called stock options. had no idea what they were. And this company was so encouraging to fail, to try new things and to, and to do things that no one's ever done in cable television with people like Ted Turner. And lo and behold, uh, we just went right through the roof. And at age 40, I had made all of the financial goals I had had in my life. And I thought, wow, when they decided to cash it out and sell the company, I, I'm just going to retire. And I, you can't do that. You, that. The excitement of the entrepreneurship took me to starting my own companies. And I started doing free HBO previews and uh, worked with ESPN and all these national TV things uh, and probably made more money than I did in the cable business. But then at age 50, 
midlife crisis. I said, I got to get off the road. I want to be with my family. I was just traveling all over, making great money. But I got a call and said, hey, would you help us with the, with the, the zoo? They're going to close down the zoo. We're going to take it over. Bob Ray, ex-governor, called. And so we took over the zoo, and uh, it was losing $600,000 a year. We cash flowed. I mean, it's pretty easy to cash flow it and, and uh, raised $15 million. And it's going to be around forever as the second largest cultural attraction in the world. Wow. And back to the boredom, uh, I decided it's time to maybe retire again. I got a call from a governor who said, hey, the lottery director is retiring. Do you want to run the lottery? Well, you can tell I like to do something quick, fast, and I love promotion. I love being on TV. And in general, all of a sudden I had to become serious because we had an internal fraud and we ultimately took us almost six years to crack the largest lottery fraud in U.S. history. And that was a whole different experience. But that's part of the learning and the growth that you have as you grow up. You know, you realize the older you get, the less you know, and it's fun to learn new things. So I finally retired and now I just travel the world talking about internal fraud and talking to banks and and all sorts of different organizations about how to watch for internal fraud using that lottery story. So it's really been a fun life and a fun retirement and how we do that. Family's great. Uh, most people don't get when you retire that all the, all the kids are still around and all the grandkids are still around. So we see everybody every week. So it's a pretty good life. Wow. Terry, well, you're sought after speaker and for good reason. Because, because I have a BS in speech from Iowa State. So that's my degree, Bachelor of Science in Speech. It's been an amazing pedigree. You know, I'm reminded of the, and I can't quote it, doggone it, I should be able to, but the Teddy Roosevelt, I remember he was asked one time because he had such an amazing life with so many experiences. And they said, how did that happen? And he said, I saw things happening and I put myself in the way of that and things happened. I mean, it sounds a little bit like the same kind of thing, Terry. You've just been in the right place at the right time over and over and over again. But, but, but you know, when I go out and speak, I, when I see a millennial or something like that, I really, it opens your eyes because when I ask for questions, one raised their hand and said, you know, I, I know you've been successful. All that. Haven't you ever screwed up? Haven't you ever failed? And I thought, oh my God, yes. I mean, people who I know and the, and the executives that uh, you associate yourself with, when you hear their stories, everybody has had major failures, but they learn by those failures. It's better to have tried and failed than to succeed at doing nothing. That's how you're pushing the envelope. And, and failure is really the first step to success because that's how you learn and you true, truly accomplish things no one else has ever done because you've got to fail once or twice to make that and have the drive and desire to be able to do it. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Well, our, our, the point of our podcast here is to come down to that main question. What's the most courageous thing that you've done? And I'm going to ask you that in a minute, but before we get there, I'm curious about calibrating your understanding about courage. So let me ask you a couple questions. How do you think courage differs from recklessness? Um, Applied risk. I think when you are uh, when you are starting out, if you want to start a new business right out of college, you have no experience, but you know that you want to do X, Y, Z. You want to invent the new mousetrap. You have all of the desire in the world to do it, but you haven't looked at the applied risks of do I spend all of my money to do this? Is it going to work? And I think the older you get, the courage you find that the courage comes from taking the step, actually doing something, but calculating the risks involved in that to to maximize and to make sure that if something does fail you can adjust and and come back and make it successful so it's applied risk it's not complete recklessness it's applied risk understanding what the downside 
potentially could be. That's great. And I, um, I think as, as I got older, as I started doing companies, instead of thinking I want to do something and spend, you know, in my entire bankroll to create a new idea, I found that I did personally my own R&D, take 10% of anything I made. When I had big success, I took part of it and I used that as play money. When I say play money, you could either go gamble it, you could go drink it, you could do a lot of things, but I used it to find that next new thing that I really want to do, but it probably won't work. But when I lo if I lost it, I still had 90% of my money. And I think that's kind of the applied risk concept. Yeah, wonderful. What does courage mean to you? Um, I think courage is daring to dream is, is fun. Everybody has a million dollar idea. Courage is daring to act, actually taking that step. Um, you know, when they went to the moon, three guys went to the moon, uh, they failed over 90% of the time. Uh, but they had the courage of the people to continue to course correct and do all the right things, do, do all the right things. And I think, the courage to take the step to say we can get to the moon when no one else has ever done it, uh, it is the right way and surrounding yourself with the right people to make it successful. Do you think everybody has the opportunity to be courageous? Do you think everybody has that? Oh my God, yes. When I got to know Ted Turner, you know, the guy came in and spoke at one of our chamber events. And uh, I was riding with him and, and he said, oh my God, he said, I just talked to my accountant. He said, I was worth a half a billion dollars. Oh gosh, great. He said, yeah, I've been still seeing two psychotherapists every week. Now that, geez, if this guy can be that successful, why can't I? And, and as you're watching this, if we can be, you and I can be this successful and success is all in your mind, right? Every day I go to work and there, I hear people or I talk to people that have a better car. You know, you buy a big boat and you think you have everything. You go to the go to the slip and you're going to see two or three bigger boats. Everybody has so much happiness happens on the way to success. If you think when I make my goal, I'm successful and I was courageous in doing that. It's what you do every day. If you're not happy today, you're sure as heck's not going to be happy when you make, when you, you know, turn 62, get your social security and everybody thinks that's the end and you're happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Who, okay. So you mentioned Ted Turner, but I'm curious other, contemporary people or people that you've known that are particularly inspire you with courage? Um, I, I think that uh, you, it's kind of like your first love. Your first boss is always good. And a guy named Jim County, who was pretty notorious around our area and continues to continue to invest within the community was probably one because I, I managed like him because I learned from him. And again, it's like your first love. You really, when you're in your first company, that's usually your favorite thing that you remember those kinds of things that you succeeded with something. So I think that is, of course, my dad, um, he was always encouraging people. People ask, you know, how do you get crazy? How do you get creative? And I realized looking back that my dad, my uncle could tell a story better than anybody. And I learned my storytelling from him because he was always telling funny stories. But my dad, when I would do something, he would look at me and kind of go, I, you know, I want to, I want to, I don't want to go down and feed the calf in the barn because it's too cold. I want to call my uncle short and get, get a tube down to them. And I'll just pour it here at the house. He'd look at me and laugh. Say, well, why don't you call him and try it? You know, he was encouraging, even though he knew it kind of would fail. That was the encouragement you need. And I tried to do that in all of my management skills to never, ever say, you know, here's my VP or here's my, you know, accounting person. Here's our team. Here's our accounting person. It's we are together as a team. Uh, because that encouragement seemed to give and help me with more success than worrying specifically 
you know, it's using the I, I, I word. Yeah. I feel like courage is, um, interjecting my own personal opinion here, but I feel like courage is, um, so attractive. Like you can catch that on people. People walk into a room and they just kind of have this glow about that. You know how there's some people that are Eeyores, you know, they're kind of bucket dippers, you know, it kind yep. of oh, it just wears you out a little bit, but you get around courageous people and you feel lifted up and called to it as well. You, you, uh, you had a, uh, you had a good point there. And I think the word encourage, I would transform that to confidence. When I first started the lottery, you know, I, $350 million, who'd want to, you know, walk in, my God, I was wearing on the zoo for three million, this is 350 million. And you'd get out of the car and you'd walk toward the door and think, oh my God, you know, I'm in charge of this. I could be fired today. All I got to say is one wrong word. It's a political appointment, all blah, blah, blah. But when I opened the door, the thing I learned from the leaders that I surrounded myself with was you show confidence. And your people often, if you aren't confident when you walk in the door, I think it's confidence is as important as the courage to walk in the door and believe in a project and believe in a person say, hey, here's a crazy idea. What do you think? I think this might work. The people around you, if they see you are confident, they become confident and they'll pull off things that you probably thought, I don't know whether this is going to work or not, but I don't know any CEO that doesn't have their own trepidations on things when they walk in, but when they walk into a boardroom or a room to do it, you'll see them very confident and very courageous to take it the next step. Yeah. Look yeah. them in the eye, man. I can't tell you how many people, if somebody doesn't look you in the eye when, when you walk in and talk to them and, and even that smile of confidence gives you the courage to continue. The other thing is I'm, I'm a little superstitious, even though I ran the lottery. I mean, I, and the reason I am is because my very first big project, when I came out of the cable company and, and started my own company, I got a huge contract within seven days out of the blue uh, because I flew to a place to make a pitch and I, and I was early. So I got a, a uh, hash brown, medium diet Coke and a cinnamon roll. And after I did that, I got this big contract. I thought, Next time I went back out or I went to another pitch, guess what I had? Uh, hash brown, cinnamon roll, and a medium diet Coke. And it wasn't so much that that made me lucky. It was that it gave me confidence to put in my mind. And often people wear a certain coat or I wear something special when I go on TV if I know I'm going to have a big appearance because it gives me the confidence that I've had success before to take ahead and have the courage to take the next step. Mm -hmm. oh, that's wonderful. Um, what a what a work history what a background great insight terry i but, can't but, but back to your point if i can do it as an old farm kid i mean i we had we were we were poor i didn't realize it because we were happy you know yeah. our family was a fun family and it you just got to take that step and if i can do it anyone can do it guaranteed yeah so to that point terry let me ask you the question what's the most courageous thing you've ever done once I really got into TV and I love promoting and, and doing PR and, and selling and marketing and building companies, everything came to a screeching halt when I was the lottery and we realized we might have an internal fraud. And the reason was, is because we were in a small state. I was in charge of that state, but we were part of a big association. And all of the people who are counterparts to me in each state appointed our political appointees and they were afraid that if we were wrong in, in prosecuting this particular fraud and people thought that all lotteries were rigged, um, that we were gambling with an 80 
billion dollar company. And that $80 billion is more money than all the money spent on sports tickets, movies, music combined. And so every time we made the decision to, uh, to get on TV and say, we're going to prosecute and we're going to find this out. We want the game fair and honest. I got a lot of calls say, why don't you just shut your mouth, just pay it and get, go, you know, go, let it go away because you're going to hurt our business that we use to raise money for our state and our state needs the money. Our governor's on my back and the courage to be able to continue that actually cost me good friends, probably cost me a lot of promotions and, and I could have, you know, been president of the world lottery association, lots of things that we were working up as, as we're in this organization, but you know, I made the decision and I asked my team to make the decision. Don't we really want to do something that morally is correct? And that countered the idea that if we screwed up on this deal, we could cost uh, an industry of $80 billion and friends and neighbors. The other support that came in that when we decided we're going after it and I'm going to have to get spend six, $700,000 to pay for the attorney general's travel and the process and the DCI's uh, the people who are investigating travel uh, was going to a governor. And because we live in Iowa, the governor said, uh, spend whatever you want to, because I said, I want the games fair and honest. I want the games fair and honest. And my God, what a great, if we would have done that in a neighboring state, I won't, I won't say starts with an I there's no way that they wouldn't have said, just pay it and keep it low and don't let anybody know. Cause we need the money because they had all these deficits. So I didn't want money to, to, to block what the right thing to do was. And I, I think that's probably courageous. W was it the right step? Did we do the right thing? It was the right gamble because we busted it, put it away. And actually sales increased because everybody thought, well, they're watching the lottery. I'm not going to play the Malta online poker anymore because who knows who's running that deal. They knew they could talk to us if they thought something was wrong. And that was probably the hardest. I, I, I wouldn't want to do it again. I wouldn't want anybody else to do it again. And that's why I go across the world, tell the story of have the right checks and balances and the right policies in place to avoid going through what we went through. So I'm glad I did it. I can sleep at night. Others who told us just to pay it and that they probably worried that I would use names with it, but no, the idea was do the right thing. I'd say that's an amazing story of courage, Terry. And, uh, story of courage that comes with a lot of zeros after it. Wow. Um, what was it in that moment inside of you that said, cause there must've been a demarcation point where it's like, okay, I can cave or I can just stay the course. What was that thing inside of you that, that said, no, we've got to keep moving forward. Um, probably just, just the feeling of, this isn't right. And if we mess it up, we're going to be fired. So let's make sure we try to do, do the right thing. And it's back to you try to do what you learned. And I think growing up on the farm, uh, growing up in the state, there's a lot of ethics, I think more uh, that we had within our area church, all the things that go along with it than, than you have. Um, I don't know. I, you know, we could have gone the other way, uh, probably been a lot easier at a had, had a lot more fun and in, in the things that we were doing uh, it was a real uh, mind twister when it was all said and done but uh, I just I think back to I learned about doing the right thing and and uh, moving forward so that you can sleep at night and if somebody you know your kids ask you you know how'd you do 
I mean, I've screwed up a lot of life too. I mean, the things, decisions we all make uh, growing up, uh, it just was a time and place that that felt like the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. The right morals and the right ethics kind of go hand in hand with courage. I think, um, I think I see that a lot around me. You know, it takes a lot of, a lot of courage to do the right thing in the face of just as you put it, you know, so much other pressure and people wanting to push you the other way. Yeah. Yeah. You ask that, that, that really is a hard question. And I guess looking back on it, I feel good that I made the decisions without trying to analyze it too much, you know, because mm -hmm. you can, you can justify a lot of things in your life of what you want to do because it feels good, should do, this would benefit me more, um, whatever. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, there's, <clears throat> excuse me, there's somebody out there that's on the precipice of making a big decision. They've got something pressing down and they've got to go left or they've got to go right or they're wringing their hands. Maybe it's costing them a little bit of sleep at night. Um, speak to that person, if you would, but Terry, just as we close here and encourage them on making the right decision and being courageous and stepping out. Every one of us, I, I know everyone has a million dollar idea out there. And at what point do you pull the trigger? And it was my professor at Iowa State who said, it's better to have tried and failed than to succeed at doing nothing. And you feel like government workers, that's probably what their stereotype is, although I know they aren't that way. Uh, it's better to have tried and failed than succeed at doing nothing. Take that first step. Know that people have failed uh, before and have a plan B, always looking for plan Bs. Surround yourself with people who can augment what you don't know that you might stumble upon to give you advice on that with either an advisory board or a paid board, if you've got the funds. Um, but say, heck with it, I'm going for it. But utilize a portion of your assets, not your entire asset, so that if it does not work, it is the same as you're going to, to a casino to gamble. You go out and you take $100 and you call it entertainment. Call this education to take a portion of your money, invest it in, and go for it. You, it is so rewarding when it works. So rewarding when it works. So rewarding when it works. Mm -hmm. Terry Rich, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. I'm grateful to call you a friend, and uh, I got a lot to learn from you with all your courageous activities. Thank you. Well, we have a lot to learn from each other. That's what friendship's all about, and that's yeah. that's what growth is all about, even at my age. I love learning new things, and you can see that by all the different things that we've, we've tried to do. That's, that's rewarding in life. Thank you for asking me on. Thank you for joining us today on Courageous. If you'd like to hear more about the work and ministry being done at Crossroads Apologetics, please visit our home on the web at crossroadsapologetics.org. Would you or someone you know like to be featured on Courageous? Send us an email at info at crossroadsapologetics.com or info at crossroadsapologetics.org telling us about the most courageous thing you've ever done.